so weird. <laughs> this is the queer cafeteria. The queer cafeteria. A fed up cast. And you're sitting with us at the queer kids table. This podcast is a companion to the annual Fed Up Fest, a queer and trans punk fest in Chicago. Hey, I'm Ash and I use they them pronouns. Hi, I'm Masha and I use she her or they them pronouns. So Fed Up Fest happened. Woo! Sure did, and it was incredible. So much fun. Thanks to everybody who came out and uh, had a blast with us. How has it been three and a half months? We really needed a break. Thanks for hanging out and uh, waiting for us. Yeah, so here we are with a new episode for you guys finally. And this one is going to veer off from our typical format because we are finally getting around to sharing the amazing Forever Queer, Forever Punk panel that we had at the fest this year. And the panel was more than two hours long, so we are gonna break it up into two episodes, um, with this one being part one, and then we'll release part two in about a week or so. Yeah, and after these episodes, we're actually gonna take another break and come back to you all in uh, 2018, sometime in January, just kind of like we started at the beginning of 2017. And we're really excited to brainstorm our next season and share it with you all in the upcoming year. So let's get to Forever Queer, Forever Punk. Okay, hi. This is a weird place to stand. Uh, Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Masha. I'm a Fed Up Fest Collective member. Um, And you are here for this incredible panel called Forever Queer, Forever Punk. And so reading directly from the Facebook event for this, I will introduce it. So this year, we present a conversation exploring aging while queer, trans, gender nonconforming, and intersex in punk. In a society that still worships youth, how do punk scenes reproduce or combat these normative ideals? Where are our role models as we age? What does visibility look like? So thank you all for coming here. Um, I also wanted to let everybody know that this is being recorded for a podcast. So... um, Folks in the audience, if you could just like, I mean, obviously like don't contain your excitement, but like, just like, like we're recording it. So like if we can hear like questions clearly and stuff like that, please try to keep that in mind. And here's E. Hi, my name is Ian. I'm also on the Fed Up Fest Collective. And it is my pleasure to introduce Jill Lloyd Flanagan, this embittered musical theater actress right over here. Julie Flanagan um, has vocal polyps and a knee injury. She was in the band Coughs, Learned Helplessness, Carreza, Box, Webb, and Gula Gila. She currently performs as forced into femininity, as well as having a horrible case of borderline personality disorder. She barely lives at all and rarely gets anything done. Except for this amazing panel that you're about to watch. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so with, without further ado, uh, a personal friend and great inspiration to me, this is Jill Flanagan. Thanks, E. Thank you. I got two mics. I got all the mics now. I'm, like, I'm using Jess Skolnick's mic until they get here. Uh, thanks for coming, everyone. Um, this is a pretty amazing panel we've assembled, and I'm very honored to moderate today. So I'm just gonna dive right in, you know, just start introducing people and asking them a question to introduce you to their work if you're not familiar with it. So first up, we have uh, Martin Saran Sarandegui. Sarandegui. What is it? Sorry. Sarandegui. Sarandegui. Sorry. Uh, 
He was born in Montevideo, Uruguay. Raised in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago, he is a visual artist, photographer, and musician. Sorondogui completed his third photography book, En Busca de Algo Mas, 2015, on Ugly Records. Uh, the core of Sorondogui's work is about addressing inequities through the creation of physical and artistic space, first as a singer, for the internationally renowned, politically charged punk in Espanol band, in Antonio's hardcore band, Los Crudos. Uh, for the last 19 years, Rondogui has been the singer for the beloved hardcore, radically and openly queer punk band, Limprist. He continues to work on various projects, both as a musician and documentarian ar artist. So give it up for Martin. <laughs> question about, I was looking at your photography, um, I thought it would be interesting to ask you about your photography because I feel like that's an area of your work that's not often spotlighted. Um, what do you feel captivates you in an image? Is there something like that, an image that you find reoccurs, that you found to reoccur throughout your photographic work? Jill, can we just introduce everybody first so people oh, okay. know who else All is right. here? That would be cool. Format. I had this whole format all worked out. <laughs> Martin throws a cog into the works. Uh, okay, that's cool. Um, okay, so um, Miriam Bastani has been involved in punk for over 25 years. Been playing <laughs> and touring in bands in sense, including Condenada, Sangre de Abajo, and Permanent Ruin. Marianne was coordinator of Maximum Rock and Roll magazine for four years and have created several zines of her own. She has been organizing shows, fests, events, and more recently, punk gear workshops and screenings for Audrey's Revenge Film Collective as a longtime collective member. Marianne's focus is and has always been the present intersections within punk and its radical roots. Uh, and then, Travis. Travis is an African-American and Chickasaw Native American. He was born September 23, 1946, in Itawamba County, Mississippi, pre-electricity, pre-indoor plumbing, pre-racial integration. <laughs> Serving in the U.S. Navy from 1963 to 1969, Travis, a Vietnam veteran, received the following awards and medals, Armed Force Expeditionary Medal, Good Conduct Medal, National Defense Service Medal, Navy Unit Commendation Medal, <laughs> Republic of Vietnam Campaign Medal, Vietnam Service Medal. From 1969 to 1972, he studied sociology and psychology at the University of Akron, Ohio. Uh, 1972 to 1976, he studied poetry performance in Cleveland, Ohio with poet, classical musician, and avant-garde playwright Russell Atkins at Karamu House, America's first black theater. Travis has been a member for the experimental Noise Gospel Collective Ono since January 5th, 1980. He holds a BS degree as well as an MA degree, both with highest distinction from Northwestern University, where post-grad, he also researched performance studies with Dr. Dwight Conkergood, where he wrote his first book on the subject. Two of Travis's costumes, including a red full-length frock, were curated by the Chicago Historical Society in 2012 and are now preserved in the CHS permanent collection, expanding the category of Chicago queer social activism. Travis is retired and lives in far Southside Chicago.
You know, give it up for Travis. And uh, give it up for Miriam. I forgot to say give it up for Miriam. Thank you, Miriam. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll start with Travis then, since... Uh, no. <laughs> I'm on. Because why not? Uh, Travis, the nature of 21st century social engagement, black and white, young and old, in the evolving e uh, network of and for trans communities, what relational demands should define the role of the pharmaceutical industry relative to the disposition of human remains? <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, thank you. Uh, the, um, <clears throat> this idea of, um, of human remains, um, I, I retired in 2012 from the University of Chicago, and uh, shortly after that, I received just a massive amount of literature and visits from, from doctors and all sorts of folks who wanted to uh, sell me all kinds of insurances and the like. Um, but the ugly reality was that at that point, I, I and still have never been to a hospital in my entire life, and I couldn't understand what it is they wanted. But I then started looking at what it is these folks are selling. The pharmaceutical industry owns most of your parents or grandparents. They want to own me. I have a quarter acre garden where I had told my doctor I can grow most of what he wants to sell me, especially since he um, wanted me to take uh, water pills and, and I said, why? At first I did, and I said, when does this end? He couldn't say, no, I do not. And so then I looked at, well, what is it that doctors um, what is it about aging that uh, lawyers that I know consider the final frontier? And it's that there are universities that want your body freshly dead for experimental purposes. There are universities training and teaching hospitals at universities that want you before the body is dead, but if you are brain dead. My concern with all of that is that if we don't take good care soon, we won't know by the end of the century who owns our bodies. Do you own your body? Because as a supervisor of trans people uh, when I was in the workplace, I discovered that there is a lot of medication, there are things that are, that are environmental, there are all sorts of things going on that pharmaceutical companies enter their lives and take more and more of their space, if you will. My expectation at this point is that at some point, 
trans folks of all stripes and even non-trans folks, you and me, will have to deal with this ugly reality that in order to get those medications that you may require in an industrial age, in order to get the services you require, you may wind up willing your body or parts of it against your will to pharmaceutical companies or even to your regular doctors. And so that at the moment that you are considered dead to any degree, they're there to collect. How much of this have you and I had an input to provide information to that industry? Does that matter? It may not matter to you and me. It may be that I'm just a 71-year-old fool just talking out of his ass, and it may not be worth the time. It matters to me personally at this point, because I'm from Mississippi, where everything that you uh, use, everything that healed your body was grown. It was in the forest or in the garden. Now, we have an age in which many of us have, many of the, of the community have all sorts of issues that pharmaceutical companies are the only people who can provide or will provide for us, and at what price. So those yeah. are the issues. That is an issue that I simply want to put out there that you may want to consider. If not you, then your children. I mean, these, yes. Oh, yeah. No, it was just making me think of the, like, uh, the, the, nationwide, worldwide shortage of uh, injectable estrogen over the last, like, two years, you know, and how not many people really talked about it, but it was a really devastating, like, health thing for trans women and made a lot of people aware of how much, like, our uh, being is tied into these uh, pharmaceutical corporations and stuff. So. And how much input do you and, say, the trans community yeah. have in uh, to these companies who more and more own us? As I'm, when I'm at the gym and there's a screen on the elliptical machines and I'm watching what's going on in Washington, invariably there are 50 commercials to make your life better, and they're all pharmaceutical. Wow, yeah. Um, well, I want to keep it moving here to... Um, uh, Sorry. So, Sorry to bring you down, kitties. <laughs> <laughs> How I'm punk of me. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, a zine I read of uh, Miriam's recently that was about... Um, basically, it explains like how to set up all the gear that is commonly used in most like punk or DIY shows and um, basically like my question is about like how do zines like codify and keep our lived experience real like in an age like you know where there's like increasingly like everything's being digitized and there's like a kind of like corporate middleman being pushed into a lot of like people's sharing their experiences. Does, it, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Sorry. 
I think uh, I, that's probably the best thing that could have happened just then. Um, <laughs> Um, I think the importance of zines are the same thing that have, it's the same thing that's always been, right? Like, you can have anonymity in a zine, you can, hey girl, um, you can have anonymity in a zine, you can transfer information in a zine in ways that, sure, somebody can grab it, scribble your name out, and then put someone else, their name on it, but in essence, it's like, the information's out there. I guess it just depends on what you want to do with that, right? Yeah. Um, I, for me, the function of, I mean, I'm not brave enough to write a perzine. I never have been, and so I salute people that can. <laughs> I'm just so, I'm a closed kind of person most of the time, but um, for, as far as information, like we are the keepers of our own information, <coughs> and I think that's, that's what's interesting about this panel is like, I don't know, what I'm doing still, you know? But I know that, that I'm just by the, the virtue of being on the earth longer, I might know more about some things than other people, just like everybody else up here. But depending on what your experience is, you have much more knowledge than I have about something and it's gonna continue to grow. So it just depends on what you wanna do with that. Um, I'm always learning. I never, you know when you meet somebody and they're just like, they're done? They're like, I'm done. Like this is who I am and these are the, my furniture is who I am or yeah. whatever, you know, like you meet people like that and you're like, how do you, how do you draw that line where you're like never gonna keep learning and growing and figuring shit out? Because the world's changing all the time. Like had I known, I'm going off on a tangent, had I had the opportunity, or not the opportunity, but if I had had the community um, maybe that exists now, I think about it all the time and it's like, if I was 20 now, I think I would have taken a really different path as far as like my identification of who I am and being able to explore sexuality in ways that wasn't available or was really taboo or even like within punk was weird, you know, and people made you feel fucked up about it. And then you have people like Jill who we played shows together and done shows together and stuff and it's like, they're fucking out there, I'm doing it, I'm fucking shit up. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Like this is, here's a person that's like brave enough to do it, you know? And then like everyone, you know, we pick and choose. And then I don't believe in role models like at all. I don't think that you should model your life after someone else's life or, but I do think it's really important to have different models, you know, of being. And everybody in this room is a model of being. You might not think so, or you might feel like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, I feel vulnerable, or you might feel really strong one day, it changes every day, but you moving in the world is powerful to see from, for someone. So that, to me, is the most important thing about getting older and punk, is like, we're still here, you know? Yeah. And you're still gonna be here, hopefully, too. And I don't mean like because you don't want to be punks or like you don't want to, it's just that we live in a dangerous time and like a lot of what we look like in our bodies are really dictate like our relationship to violence and the fact that all of us can sit here in this room and feel good, hopefully we can carry it out there and have each other's back. I'm getting emotional. Why? Why am I getting emotional? I just want to introduce Jess Skolnick, who just, just came in. Um, Sorry that I'm late, everyone. Sorry. <laughs>
sorry. <laughs> to, to log back in. I should have spent more time uh, remembering these intros. So, Jess Skolnick has been writing about music for the past couple decades and making noise from the youngest age possible, born into DC punk via two civil rights-oriented hippie, rights hippie musicians and raised in scene culture. They are currently the managing editor of Bandcamp Daily a contributor to many other publications and at work on a book on the constant dialogue of DIY rock subcultures with mainstream marketing from the 60s to the present. They split their time between Chicago, where they are a member of the Pure Joy Board of Directors, and New York. In addition, they have long been involved in pragmatic activism that seeks to rectify social systemic imbalances in material ways for those who need it most. So I wanted to, oh yeah, you guys Sounds intriguing, and what are these dialogues between DIY subcultures and mainstream marketing that you focus on? Um, so, something that's been fascinating to me um, for a very, very long time is um, the way that uh, mainstream culture combs um, DIY culture for new ideas, uh, for coolness, uh, for uh, fringe and avant-garde ideas that it then repackages and then uh, sells and uh, dilutes, right? Um, and the way that, and that's been written about a fair amount, but what hasn't been written about is the way that DIY culture responds um, and the way that like when we see our things being, um, the things that we create uh, being co-opted in those ways, the ways that we push back, the ways that, um, we develop new ways of being, um, the, the, the pressure that that has on us um, and how that spurs us creatively in many ways. Like, oh, you want this thing? Well, we're gonna make something totally different. Um, so that long dialogue, which has been going on basically since the days of garage rock, um, I mean, it's been going on since far, far, far before that, since the blues, right? Like. <laughs> Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. 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 Exactly. That is ex <laughs> yep. That is exactly it. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. It's been going on since the blues. Um, it just the 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 concepts of scenes and communities have changed since then. So I track it since the '60s for that reason. Um, the relationships to major labels become different at that point. Um, but it's definitely, like you said, it's been going on since the beginning, <laughs> the very, very beginning. <laughs> so that's, that's what it's about. Great. All right, well, try, I'm gonna try this one more time. Um, <laughs> looking at your photography. Uh, so what do you think, um, I don't know, what kind of images are you drawn to? find? Um, it's, it's, things happen so fast when you're photographing, especially in, in punk spaces and shows. It's hard to think about looking, the act of looking. It sounds too planned. And things are just so rapid fire that I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> like just shooting, you know. Um, 
And then sometimes I know what I'm seeing and I don't know if I caught it exactly as I saw it, but I also feel that, I don't know, I, I sometimes sense that I'm this person who sits or stands at the corner of a show and is desperately in search of something. And um, people who know me know that when I'm at a show, I'm not talking to a lot of people. I mean, I say hi and I'm really surface. It's like, if you want to have a conversation with me, we'll talk at another time. But I'm at the show kind of like as this documentarian. Doesn't mean I'm unapproachable or unfriendly. Yeah. I just kind of get in a weird zone where I, I'm looking and just kind of, I, I think what I've been seeing over the years with punk is there's a tremendous amount of revisionism that happens and people come later on, 15, 20, 30 years later, to tell your story. And in most cases, we're finding as punks that people tell an inaccurate story, story right? Um, shit gets added to the story that didn't happen. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think with my images, I go back and look at them and I start to kind of string them together and say this is starting to kind of represent what I recall that time. You know, how I saw it, how I recall living that moment. Um, and it also happens with people, you know, and faces. I go through my archive and I see all the people that are gone, that are no longer alive. And it just kind of, it's a story that speaks back to me. And it, it speaks to people. And um, I continue to have my images continue that story. So that's what I'm always looking for. That's awesome, yeah. Um, well, I think I want to start talking about the like, theme of this panel. Which, uh, and so we'll try to get through as many of the questions as we can. Uh, so. The first question is kind of, it's just kind of general questions like, how do you feel you experience aging or how do you not experience it? I don't know, because for me it's very abstract, like I don't really think about my age that much, but obviously then there's things that happen where you're like, oh, this is happening because I'm an older person or whatever, you know? So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so is, we can just go around, um, start with, let's start with Jess and then Aging is weird. Um, my, my body, my relationship to my body has always been really bizarre for so many different reasons. Um, it would take hours to get through them, but um, especially like as an intersex person, like my relationship to my body is like, weird as fuck um, and was like cut off from me for a long time. So, um, only in, you know, sort of recent years have I been able to uh, understand and embrace it from uh, perspectives that were not available to me um, when I was young, partially because of the fact that there have been so many advances in the ways that science deals with such things and doctors deal with such things. Um, so add that relationship to your body to uh, the fact that now my body is starting to break down. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
And like, I definitely have, I have, you know, like I hurt my ankle at a show like four or five years ago um, and uh, didn't have insurance at the time um, and wasn't able to get my ankle fixed. And so now it clicks every time I walk, um, which is, <laughs> so that's, you know, that's definitely like a, that's a, you're old and that, that injury is never going to repair itself the way that it would have if you were young. Um, those kinds of things where you're just like, oh, my body is very old and very tired, <laughs> even though I'm not even 40 yet, um, just barely. But um, I don't know, this, that, that relationship to, like I have just come into a place where I'm mildly comfortable with my body just as it starts to break down <laughs> is something that I think about a whole lot. Yeah, that's a big one. It's, yeah, it's physical too. Um, and it catches you by surprise because you're like, why can't I party for three days? Yep, <laughs> exactly. Like you'll go on tour and everybody's hanging out. I've always been like, typically, uh, probably one of the older people in bands that I've been in. Not like some of us. But, um, and then you're like, you know, everybody's hanging out and you want to hang out and you're just like, I, it's 9.30. What the hell? Why am I tired? Yeah. See, that's not an age thing. I'm telling you. No, but it's not just like, it, it is physical for sure. I mean, but some people, everybody has totally different relationships with, um, you know, like we take, I mean, it's across the board and this is not an age thing, but being able-bodied is something that people take for granted. And um, now there's more of a dialogue about uh, what that means and how to interact in ways that aren't fucked up, you know? Um, but it comes more to the surface as you get older and then you're dealing with like, oh, sorry. You're dealing with like family, I don't know if, if, whether you're close to your family or not, but, or you have older folks in your family where you're like, you sometimes you've always had to be a caretaker. And then sometimes you always have to be a caretaker and sometimes you figure out that you're like, oh, wow, like my parent is getting older. Like, what am I going to do? Like, those are the things, you know, <laughs> this is going to sound so negative. And then you start getting older and like people start dying or if you've been part of like, like I've always been an active participant in drug culture. I'm not, that's just who I am. So like when things start happening and you're like, oh shit, like this didn't happen when I was 16, but it starts mm. happening when you're like 20, where like people, you know, are, you know, and then you're dealing, okay, I'm gonna get away from that. Anyway, but um, yeah, there's that, but also it's cool too, because like Jess was saying, you start getting really comfortable and you don't give a fuck anymore you just don't care like thing. you move through the world in a way like i'll go to a sh i'll go to a show and like s sometimes people will be like whose mom's here you know or something and i'm like i'll take it you know that's fine but it doesn't bother me i'm like the coolest mom here but and then other times you're just like you don't even notice especially in punk spaces because there are a lot of there are all kinds of people in punk spaces and you don't realize your age until you get asked to be on a panel about aging. <laughs> Which is cool, though. Oh, that's why I'm here. You're not old yet. I'm the old one. But then, right, it's abstract. Give me my space. 
but it's real, right? Like, you think yeah, you're the oldest person in the, sh in the show, and then you turn and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> but it's great that way, because I think first generations of punks, like, never thought they were going to live to see this time, or they never thought, it was all, like, no future, right? But then you're like, wait a minute, you've all this shit given to you already, like... Or there are people that are, it's like a huge range of people struggling in different ways. And then you're like, wait a minute, I am going to be living longer. Like, and that's how it is. Like, I started super late taking care of myself, like really late. And I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that everybody should like, everybody should, let's go on a run after this, you know, or anything like that. Um, but, you know, you take it for granted and then you're like, damn it, you know, like, Maybe I shouldn't eat, like, every fried food, you know, all the time. But it catches up to you, you know? But then you see wonderful people and, like, ha happy, healthy people that are just, like, nailing it. And you're like, oh. Like, there's always something to look forward to. That's what I think. As I'm getting older, I'm way more optimistic than I ever was, which is nice to be in that place, to be honest, yeah. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. <laughs> I never thought that I would have a future. I thought that I... I remember being like 17 and graduate, like 18, graduating from high school and being like, I didn't think I was ever gonna get to 18, much less graduate. So, um, like, like planning your funeral, right? Already. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And like the fact that like somehow I have persisted in this world, like the, just the fact of that persistence makes me much more optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I, if, when I think back at when I started kind of getting into punk and everybody seemed older than me. I was really young and I think I was 16, 17 when I went to my first show. So everybody seemed older, even the records of the bands. Now that I'm older, I look back, I'm like, oh, these kids, they're like 19. I don't know if it was drug-faced or what, but they looked older. <laughs> they always looked older, and it shocks me when I look back at the records, and I'm like, they're not that old. Yeah. So, but you know, now, down the line 30-some years, I'm still, my brain still is like, I'm going to go to the show. I'm so excited about this band. I want to see that band. I want to photograph these bands. And all the young kids in the scene see me and have never stopped. You know, they've never not seen me. And I'm always there. I think um, when I travel and I go to a new space, all the kids are like, who the hell is this guy, you know? <laughs> and I just kind of, I know what's going through their minds, and I'm just like, just ask somebody, you know? Just ask somebody, like, who is that person? You know, don't, don't make it weird, because I ain't tripping. I'm, I know where I'm at, and I know I belong here. So I, I just kind of... You know, I always have that mentality of just ask somebody because, you know, we, you know, I know, like, I, I travel all the time and I'm, you know, and you see these little kids. I've had maybe weird scenarios in the past. There was one story I'll share. I was at Gilman Street in the Bay Area. And I was living in Southern California and some L.A. punks and I drove up to the Bay to see DSB from Japan play. And this little boy was at the show. He was really young. 
And he was slam dancing. He was having a time. He's in the pit going crazy. I don't think he really knew the band. It was just like his first show or something. And he stops in the middle of like dancing and looks at me and my friend. And we were just standing there watching the band. And he mocks us. He crosses his arms and just goes like this. And <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I was like, really? <laughs> And I don't know what happened, but in my head, I just reached out and went like, oh, and I hugged him, like aggressively hugged him. And he just went like, and he just took off running. And I looked at my friend and I said, maybe I shouldn't have done that. I think I scared him. And he goes, fuck him. He'll know to never do that at a show again. And it was just that weird moment. But, you know, after that, and that was, you know, I don't know how many, 15, 17 years ago or whatever. But it was like, I, you know, I don't run into weird issues with that. It's the physicality of getting old. You know, that's where it reminds me that, Mar, you need to, like, warm your damn feet up before you get out of bed because they hurt. Okay, it's like stuff like that. Because my brain is like, I'm ready to go. Let's go and let's go to show. Uh, but then, you know, there's, there's the sort of physical thing with the reminder of, all right, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm not completely expired, but I'm definitely getting older, <laughs> you know? So. Um. Uh, well, I've been old for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Black and old, and there's nothing like black and old. Um, and, and I say that because folks are talking about punk, and I'm the person here. I guess my reason for being here is to talk about old, because I don't like music. I don't give a damn. I don't care. Now, uh, I do what I do simply because Pete Michael says, do this. And so um, when, if you have seen an Ono or a PTSD show, they're, 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 they're downers because I'm old and dead. The reality is, uh, 1963 to 1969, I was a military person. And I wanted to be a military person. Um, and in the first instance, I, I, I was not involved in music at all. Didn't want to be, not, didn't care. But I graduated from Akron University, no, Akron Central High School um, before I was 16. Then I had to deal with something to do until 17. At age 17, joined the military because I wanted to go somewhere, see what is out there in the world. And two years into that, the Office of Naval Intelligence, your national security agency and folks therein, pulled me aside on September 20th, 1965, and accused me of having committed sodomy at some point in my life. They accused me. For eight hours, I was connected to wires, the lie detectors, all of that in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, and accused of having committed sodomy. 
If you are black from Itawamba County, Mississippi, or from the South, the word sodomy is not a part of your category, is not a part of your vocabulary, and you have no category in which to place that imagery. And there I am attached to machines that are judging, that are that are equating my measurements with lies or not. And it profoundly impacted me from that day to this. From 8 o'clock in the morning, that day until that evening, I was drilled about sodomy with explicit details. And this is not unlike your, I like punk and I like to suck dick. <laughs> This is even more extreme. He, I mean, and I was, it was outrageous. Now, from that point until this very day, when my phone rings, Officer Munson, the investigating officer, is on the other end of that line. PTSD, if you will. I deal with that. And those are, and that is, and those issues related to that are the kinds of things that go into my performances. I was accused of being not only a sodomite, which was untrue, and for four ye years from then on, I was followed and regularly went through that same drama, yet the entire the Office of Naval Intelligence never found anyone who could verify what they felt they knew, yet they did not throw me out. With my security clearance, the level of my security clearance was that even suspicion was enough to get me thrown out, but for some reason that did not happen. Well, what that means now is that I add the nastiest noise I can find to those experiences to match the way that I feel about that experience and to match the way that I feel about growing up in Mississippi around black folks and white who accuse me of strange things and dressing peculiarly and wanting to be a girl or something like that, surely. No, so wrong. but. It adds fodder to the flame now because I have this outlet only because P. Michael forces it. I'm not interested in all of this. Lil Richard did it a lot better than most parts I did. I'm not interested in punk. What does punk want? Is it really about economics? Is, what's it about? What does, how do you define any of this? I don't know. But I can tell you that I do not want to classify myself there, I will allow others to do so simply because of the severity of my disposition. <laughs> and it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any prettier. At age 71, life is over, and I like that. And so I will wear all the dresses I damn well please, and the world can kiss the crack of my natural ass. I love being old. <laughs> wow, yeah.
quite hard to follow. <laughs> how, how do we continue from here? Um, uh, okay, so I guess one thing I wanted to focus on a little bit, like issue for me as like aging and the scene and stuff is um, kind of like having a lack of peers. Like I feel like that's like a big issue because even if, you know, like the people that you met and that introduced you to like music and were like doing art, like they're still around, but they're not necessarily like going to shows or they're like doing, everyone's doing their own work and stuff. And so, I don't know, I just wanted to talk about that as well as like, you know, uh, way, other ways we feel like if you felt like pushed away and, you know, like from the scene, like, um, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I have definitely felt that. Um, I mean, I used to go to shows like four or five nights a week, and now I don't do that uh, with nearly the same regularity. A lot of that just has to do with the pace of life and um, being busy and not being able to do that, but also just feeling like an alien all the time, um, which is not something that changes ever. <laughs> um, and I've leaned into it and embraced it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to find that and it's hard to find um, ways to connect to, um, to other folks as you age because this is a youth culture. Um, in doing Pure Joy, which is uh, this uh, art space um, that we've been working on for the last four years, um, that has been like a really good way for me to keep in contact with um, and, and sort of feel community around, um, around punk in a way that I haven't for a long time um, because our project is making a space specifically, it's making an all ages space in Chicago that's above board um, so that it will persist for kids who need it and don't necessarily have access to punk spaces in the city. Like, don't know who to ask, don't know who to talk to, don't have the right Facebook links. Um, so making that space for, specifically with teenagers in mind, um, I'm never ever gonna be a parent, but like, it's a very like nurturing and parenting sort of thing to do. Um, yeah. And sort of being in that role has made me feel connected to punk in a way that I haven't in a very long time. I think it comes and goes. Like, it's like anything. When, when I was getting into punk, all the old punks were really like crabby and racist and yeah. sexist and they just talked all this trash about new punk and they were like always comparing it was like like an old jock You're like they're just always comparing like the good old days and i'm like is there such a thing like anybody that can say that about anything is full of shit because there is no such thing because what's the good old day for, days for you is not the good old days for anybody else not all, i mean or a lot of people yeah so my connection with punk has always been like ebbing and flowing. Like, I mean, what Travis said, like, what does punk want? Right. It's like, it's not what punk wants, it's what I want. <laughs> and it's what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's, if punk, punk is, I found is the, one of the spaces in which I can 
figure things out for myself in a way, in a place, in a time that the kind of pressures when I walk out that door don't necessarily exist the same way. I mean, they're still very much there. And anybody, that's something that's going to always be the same thing. Is like, if you're looking for some utopia in punk, you're going to be disappointed. It's just not what it is. It's just a play. It's for me anyway. Like, I think it's always going to my mirror what's going on. It's a microcosm. So I see a lot of racism in punk now. And like sexism, and it's accepted. And like ageism, I mean, not just that, but you know, like I see a lot of that stuff in punk too. And when I do see it, I just, I gotta step away from it or I'm gonna hate it. And that's anything. And I think as you get older too, like people that you thought were super tight with, like sometimes things happen and you learn really quick like who your friends are. But just because you see somebody at a show doesn't mean they're your best friend, but that doesn't matter. Like you can still be come together and enjoy something together. And that's the magic of it, is that you can enjoy this performance and you feel unified in that moment. And that's the feeling that's important. And I can still find that in punk. And I'm always gonna find that in punk. But as I get older, like you find that you do have close ties with people and you are, it's like anything else. Like being who I am and like my cultural makeup too, like we're all spread out. Like there's a big Latinx punk scene here, but not in other places and like if you know like all the intersections that make us who we are like people are spread out and you just learn to deal with that distance you know and then age becomes a distance too you know you walk into this space and like yeah people are like who the hell is that you know and they're like but it's what you make it that too you know like I, I don't, I'm not interested in like asking permission to come into this space. Because people like me have always been in this space and people like you have always been in this space. That's not what this shit's about. And in the minute that somebody makes you feel awkward, that's not you, that's them. And that's always gonna be why I like, love punk. And finding peers in punk, like yeah, there's some things that I'm gonna relate to with people my age or older or not, or younger people. But it's the same thing, like there's a million things that you and I can talk about right now, today. We might have different points of views, but we're all radical folks and we're all in this room. Like, that's a community too, you know, age or whatever, you know. We don't have to be best friends, but this is not necessarily an exclusive sp space for like young folks or old folks or whatever, you know. That's the whole point of it. It's, it. The reason punk stays alive and it's part of our lives is because it can change and it changes people. So that's the value I have of it. And as far as being spread out, yeah, I feel like that sometimes, but I'll just call you. <laughs> and I'll be the mom at the show or whatever. I'm not a mom, I'll never have children, but. Um, <laughs> And then I'll go to a show and there'll be someone older and it's going to be cool like that. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, I've seen turnover for a long time where people kind of come and go. We're all, I think, you know, we're all on our own journeys and paths to wherever we want to go. Um, I, you know, I have friends who decided to have families you know, and have children. And, you know, that usually is a point when, you know, they sort of 
I don't want to say exit out, they just create a little more distance because they have other responsibilities. Um, I find there's a point when people become really scared because they think, shit, I'm getting older, I'm hanging out in basements, watching bands, I'm doing a zine, um, this thing mom and dad have been telling me forever about getting serious with life and saving money and all. And I think there's an element of fear of like, oh no, is this it? Um, and that it, I think, is a really awesome place. Um, so I've seen people come and go and leave it and I've seen people come back after being away for a while. And they realize this idea that there was something so much better out there for them was bullshit. They can't find it, right? So um, I found friends who were my age or older kind of coming back and being like, you know what? This is really amazing. There's actually, I, I'm back here because I find myself always going back to that root. Um, I think when we're younger, we tend to think also in sort of a very limited way, like this is the only thing for me, right? And punk is all I'm about. And I'm like, I love tango music, okay? I love house music. I love a lot of things, you know? I, I, it's like, I don't have to like just this. I mean, you know, I think there's this sort of, you know, the hardcore boys club. And then, you know, they're always testing your knowledge. I'll talk punk. I'll talk you under a fucking table about <laughs> punk. Okay, but if I want to go dance my ass off at a house club, I'm going to do it. Okay, because I just feel I need that. If I'm going to listen to Astorpia Sola for the next couple hours, I need that. Okay? Um, I have found that with punk, people think you have to give, or in life, people think in order to have this, I gotta give up that. And I don't believe in that. I believe I can have it all, okay? So it's like people think, you know, oh, because my friends, you know, I'm not, when I was really young, I was scared to come out, you know? And I think, and without getting too off track, but I just think my point is, you know, you can have it all. If you need to go get that job and you may not be able to make all the shows because you're getting older and you realize, oh my God, I need to figure something out. It's like, you know, when shit gets dry in your life and you need to get back to that root, right? That thing that really made you feel alive, go back to it. There's, there's no rule that says you can't, all right? And that's just what I gotta say about that. Um, all right wow uh so that was part one of this two-part forever queer forever punk panel that happened at fed up fest this year and our next episode will be part two of forever queer forever punk be on the lookout for that uh in the next couple of weeks you know we do what we do and uh, we'll get it to you soon so as ash mentioned at the top of the episode after we release the second part to this panel, we're going to take a little break. And on the topic of breaks, uh, we sort of fell into one after Fed Up Fest because we just needed it and it just happened. So uh, we just want to say thank you to everybody who 
you know, wondered if we were coming back, who expressed their interest in the podcast and seemed to care about the work that we do. Um, please stay engaged with us. Let us know what your thoughts are, um, what you would like to hear us cover, any ideas you have, any bands you want us to feature and or queer creators you'd like us to speak with. Yeah, seriously, get in touch if you have some cool ideas um, or just want to say hi. Some of you already have and uh, we see you. Hi. You can reach out to us at queercafeteria at gmail.com or, you know, Instagram or Facebook. You all know how to do that. Not Twitter. We don't have Twitter, though. Sorry. We do, but we don't use it. Oh, I guess we do. We don't use it, though. Um, Yeah. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Class dismissed.